Welcome to Arbel Ministries podcast with Mark Whitehead. Today we're going to look at Numbers chapter 10. I can only imagine the first time the Israelites would actually set out from the base of Mount Sinai following God in the desert. I wonder how many of them had to pinch themselves that God was leading them by cloud, and they were following him to this promised land. You know, just over one year before this departure in Numbers 10 that we're going to read about, they were all slaves in Egypt. And now God was leading them to the promised land. So in Numbers 10, we're going to look at how God led them on that incredible first day of the journey. But before we kind of get to to that, there's something else that God needed to set in place before they left Mount Sinai. He needed a system in which all the people could gather together. And, And so, Let's start out by reading just the first two verses together of Numbers chapter 10. Here's what it says. The Lord spoke further to Moses, and and we've, we've stopped on this phrase almost every time in our podcast, Hebrew phrase of way to beer, because all of Numbers is about God's people learning to hear his voice. They're out of Egypt, but God had to get Egypt out of them. So he takes them into the desert for 40 years, and he speaks to them over and over, and they need to be the sheep he's called them to be and to listen to his voice and to obey. So what did he tell Moses here in Numbers 10? Verse 2, make yourself two trumpets of silver, of hammered work, you shall make them, and you shall use them for summoning the congregation and for having the camps set out. God instructed them to make two silver trumpets. And the text goes on to say that these trumpets would be blown in different ways, depending on the task. So let me give you an instance. What if God, using the cloud, starts departing from where they're camping? Well, we're going to see that later in this chapter. But the priest we see in this text in early in Numbers 10, the priest would blow short blasts that alerted the people that the camp was moving. So they're going to blow short, quick blasts using the trumpet. Now, you may be thinking, why on earth would they need this audible alert? I mean, they can see the sky. They can see the cloud if it's by day. They can see the fire, pillar of fire by night. So why would they need this Why would the trumpets even be necessary? Well, understand where they are. They're living in tents. And I picture many of them in their family 
you know, in the family together in a tent, seeking refuge from the heat and from the sun. Suddenly, God, God begins to move. Well, they need alert that everyone will hear at one time so that they can all get their things together quickly and be ready to move at one moment's notice. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to use these silver trumpets. And if you hear short blasts, know that I'm on the move. Everybody's going to know that signal. And when you hear those short blasts, we're on our way towards the promised land. We also see in this text in Numbers 10 that sometimes the priests would blow long blasts. Why would they blow long blasts? Well, it's a very different signal. We read that if they use both trumpets to blow the long blasts, then they're wanting a family meeting where the entire tribes, all of them, come to the entrance of the tent of meeting. But if they just blow using one of the trumpets, it's just the leaders that are to come for a meeting. So if they use the long blasts, it's, it's, it's a message that they need to assemble together. As we continue to read in Numbers 10, we also see that there were two other reasons other than them leaving camp and other than, than, than just having an assembly, there were two other reasons why they were to blow these trumpets. We see those uh, in verses 8 through 10. If there was a battle that was about to begin, God says, blow those trumpets. And, and part of that is not necessarily to alert everybody in the camp. It's, to, it's basically to have a prayer to God of remember us, God. We need you to fight our battles for us. Remember, these are slaves in Egypt. Did they know anything about warfare? No. And all of a sudden, they're traveling to the promised land. They need God to fight their battles for them. And they do that by blowing the trumpet if a battle is about to occur. And the last reason you see of why they would blow the trumpet is it would be blown on the days of gladness, it says. The days of gladness. So let's say it's Pentecost like we just talked about in the last podcast. Guess what you do to begin Pentecost? You blow the trumpet. It's a day of gladness. What about Shavuot? What about some of these other feast days? You blow the trumpet to celebrate. Hey, this is a great day, and we're going to celebrate what God has done. So it's, it's an exciting thing when it's blown on those days. Now, why is all this important, you may ask? Why are we spending time going in detail on why the trumpets would be blown? Well, I think it's important for us today as believers in Jesus because we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 18, these words. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. 
Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You understand there is a day coming when the trumpet is going to be blown once again. It doesn't finish back in the Old Testament, back in the Hebrew Bible. That's not the end of the trumpet blast because there's a day coming where God's going to get that trumpet back out and an archangel is going to blow it. And I cannot wait for that day. You see, all four reasons we just read about in Numbers 10 of why they would blow the trumpet come together on that day. Because the first reason we talked about is that the short blasts on the trumpet were an indication that, you know what? God's on the move. The camp's on the move. We're going towards the promised land. Do you understand the day that trumpet's blown? Our camp as believers in Jesus Christ is on the move to our permanent promised land, our permanent home, our eternal time with the Lord. We're no longer going to live in this sin-scarred world. We are going to move to our home, finally. We mentioned a minute ago the second reason why you make a blast is to assemble the camp all together. There's a family meeting, and that's exactly what we see in 1 Thessalonians 4. The dead, in, the dead in Christ will arise first, then those who are alive will meet them, and there's this family reunion, this assembly together, no divisions among us. The third reason of why the trumpet was blown in Numbers 10 was it was a battle cry. The fight was about to begin, and I'm not an end-time scholar. There's so many theories about how end times is going to play out, but could it be that that trumpet blast in 1 Thessalonians 4 is signifying, among other things, the beginning of the battle of Armageddon? Hmm. Lastly, the trumpet blast will certainly signify the day of gladness for those of us who are with the Lord. So you see all these things in Numbers 10 come to life through 1 Thessalonians 4, one day when God blows that trumpet and all of these things come together. And so I, can, I hope you can see how important it is to know the context of a trumpet blast as you read about the return of the Lord. In the New Testament. Oh, I'm ready for that day. And if you think those Israelites at the base of Mount Sinai on that first day that they were ready to move camp and they hear those trumpet blasts, if you think they were excited, that does not hold a candle to what we will experience on the day the Lord returns and that trumpet blast again. Can you imagine all of a sudden we hear that trumpet and we just know it's time. It's time. Listen, live in light of that day. Now, 
We live in a world that so many times has our eyes focused on the junk of this world, on the things that have no eternal value, on the things that don't matter. But one day, that trumpet is going to blast, and all those things are going to fade away. Live in light of that day. Be consumed with the kingdom. Be consumed with the things of God. That's how I want to live my life. What about you? As we go on in the book of Numbers, chapter 10, we get to verses 11 through 13. Listen to these words on what happens next. Now, in the second year, in the second month, on the 20th of the month, the cloud was lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the sons of Israel set out on their journeys from the wilderness of Sinai. Then the cloud settled down on the wilderness of Paran. So they moved out for the first time according to the commandment of the Lord through Moses. Just giving you a timeline, trying to put some of the pieces of the puzzle together. By the way, this is about one month after they celebrated Passover that we discussed last week. That first anniversary of the event of Passover, as we discussed in Numbers 9, it's been one month since then about. It's been about two months since they had set up the tabernacle. That was back in Exodus chapter 40, verse 17, where they set up the tabernacle. So let me just kind of give you a rundown of everything that's happened since Israel has been at the base of Mount Sinai. They got to Mount Sinai. And there goes Moses up the mountain. Oh, I need to go down, God says, and get Aaron, come back up. And you remember, God gives him the commandments. He goes down. And, and we've discussed this previously, but, but it was a wedding. That's how God views what happened at Mount Sinai. He, he married his people. And at the wedding, they go back down with God's ketubah. And the bride is committing adultery with a golden calf at the wedding. You know the story. Moses gets angry, throws it down. There's all these other things that happen. Later, he goes back up. He receives what we call the Ten Commandments now. And over the course of the next months, God gives them instructions on how to have priests and how to set Levites and how to be in tribes and all these different things where, where God gives them instructions on how to commune with him and how to live being his people. Tells them to build a tabernacle. Tells them to take a census. They celebrate Passover. And now we get to the point where it's time for them to leave. And in verses 14 through 28, we read about how the tribes travel. Now, we discussed this in more detail back in our Numbers 2 podcast. So I'm not going to go in great detail about exactly how they, what, what um, order each tribe was in and all those sort of things. You can go back and catch that podcast at another time. But listen, they were very orderly and very unified. Now, one thing I do want to remind you of, because we see it in this text, the last tribe 
is the tribe of Dan. Look at verse 25 with me. Then the standard of the camp of the sons of Dan, according to their armies, which formed the rear guard for all the camps, set out. So we see the tribe of Dan has the job of being the rear guard. Now, what does a rear guard do? Well, first off, there's no doubt that one of the primary duties is to protect the backside as the camps are traveling. As these tribes are, are traveling towards the promised land, Dan's job as the rear guard is to make sure that an enemy doesn't come up behind them and start causing problems, no doubt. But listen, this is not a glorious job. It is not an easy job. But let me tell you, it's an important job. What if someone was lagging behind because the heat was just too much to bear? Or maybe they couldn't continue to carry the, the pack that they had. Well, Dan's job was to make sure nobody left was left behind. Dan's job was to come along and encourage them and meet their needs that they had because that's the job of the rear guard is to make sure everybody is going in one direction and nobody gets left behind. Right now, let me ask you, as you're listening to this podcast, do you know someone who is, being, who is lagging behind for some reason? I mean, as I record this podcast, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we are in the desert. Make no mistake, it is hot, the temperature has been turned up, it is hard, and there are people that are starting to lag behind. And maybe you know somebody who is having a hard time financially. Maybe they've been doing the best they can, but they're getting knocked down over and over, and they're having trouble keeping their head above water. My question to you is, could you be the tribe of Dan to them and come alongside them, them and help them out? And maybe you're not in that position, but maybe you are. And maybe right now God is speaking to your heart. There's somebody you know that you need to come alongside and help out. Be the tribe of Dan today. But maybe it's not a financial issue. Maybe emotionally somebody you know is lagging behind. And you can tell they've been really down lately and they need encouragement. Maybe today you need to come alongside them and be the tribe of Dan and provide that encouragement they need. Build them up. Maybe you could call them. Maybe you could send them a card. But somehow, some way, could you be the hands and feet of Jesus today and be the tribe of Dan to them? Maybe there's somebody you know who's lagging behind spiritually for one reason or another. Maybe right now there's someone who isn't able to come to church or isn't able to be in a Bible study or, or maybe their job is taking them away from what they love to do, being around other believers. And you can tell it's taking a toll on them spiritually. Let me tell you, we have an enemy that is wanting to cut off our supply line 
where we're not talking to our Lord. And maybe as you're listening to this podcast, that's what the enemy has done in your life. You're not reading your Bible like you used to be you used to do. Understand, we need people who are a tribe of Dan who come alongside those who are not growing spiritually and invest our lives into those people. God is looking for people who are willing to be the tribe of Dan. Let me tell you, that's hard. I've hiked a lot of these wadis in southern Israel. You know what? I want to be up the up towards the front where I can see where I'm going as we're hiking. I want to be towards the front where I can have conversations with people. I don't want to be tribe of Dan and be in the very back and the whole time bring up the rear and and meet needs and not get to hear anything that's going on at the front, all the conversations that are happening about Jesus and what's going on. I want to be Judah. I don't want to be Dan. But do you understand God is looking for people who will be the tribe of Dan, who won't seek to be the leaders? Even Jesus said, if you want to be like me, you better learn to serve. The first will be last. The last will be first. And what he's saying is, you learn, if you're a follower of me, to be a tribe of Dan. Be comfortable coming up the backside and being a servant to others. Because that is what I'm looking for in a disciple. Let's look at another part of a few verses here in Numbers 10. This, 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 this part has really made me stop and study hard. And, and I want to share it with you. Verses 29 to 32, listen to these words. Then Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out to the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will do you, do you good for the Lord has promised good concerning Israel. But he said to him, I will not come, but rather will go to my own land and relatives. Then Moses said, please do not leave us inasmuch as you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will be as eyes for us. So it will be, if you go with us, that whatever good the Lord does for us, we will do for you. I remember the day I went to college. Here I am, leaving the hometown I grew up in and traveling to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. It's my freshman year. And here I am moving in. I still remember the day, moving all of my stuff in my dorm room in Gibbs Hall. I look over as I'm moving my stuff in that day, and I see a friend that I had met a year prior at Boys State. His name uh, is JR. And JR grew up in Rockwood, which is no more than about 45 minutes from Knoxville. Well, I grew up almost five hours away, more like four and a half to five hours away. Now, JR knew Knoxville much better than I did. Yeah, I grew up going to football games and, and knowing how to get to Neyland Stadium, but I didn't know the intricacies of Knoxville. I, I didn't know exactly where to go for this and where to go for that. 
I remember that first night as we moved all of our stuff into the dorm, I needed, I needed to get some things at Walmart. There's a problem. I don't even know where Walmart is. Well, guess what? I've got a friend that has lived right outside Knoxville his whole life. I didn't drive that night to Walmart because I didn't even know how to get there. See, God gave, some, gave me somebody who knew the area and God knew that I needed somebody like that to show me how to do certain things in Knoxville. I, I knew God led me to attend school in Knoxville, but I needed JR to help guide me. Now in these verses in Numbers 10, Moses and the Israelites were following God in the wilderness. Using a cloud, God showed his people where he wanted them to go. But here's the thing, along the journey, Moses needed someone else to help him navigate the desert. That's not where he's been. He's been in Egypt. And that's where his brother-in-law, Hobab, comes in. See, as Moses and the Israelites were setting out to follow the cloud, Moses looks and he sees Hobab and he asks him to come alongside so that he could provide that, that wise counsel that they needed because he knows the lay of the land. And that may seem odd. I mean, wasn't Moses following the Lord? He had the cloud. Why would he need the help of someone else? Well, let's, let's break this down. There's, there's about three things that I really think it's important for us to understand of why Moses would need this help from his brother-in-law. The first thing is this. Like Moses, we must follow the Lord and encourage others to do the same. See, Moses was getting his direction from the Lord. I mean, he had the cloud, right? He had the pillar of fire. But he looked around, he sees his brother-in-law, and he says, Hobab, Come join us on this journey. Now, was Hobab an Israelite like Moses? No. Hobab was a Bedouin Arab. So listen, Moses was not asking Hobab to lead the Israelites. God's already doing that. Moses wanted Hobab to join him in the journey. Here's what he said in verse 29. We are setting out to the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will do you good. For the Lord has promised good concerning Israel. Let me ask you this. Who are those who God has placed around you that are currently not following him? Maybe they're family members like Hobab was to Moses. Maybe there's somebody you work with. Maybe it's a friend. Who are those people that God has placed around you that need a relationship with Jesus? See, unless that Moses had to have his eyes open to see Hobab and invite him along. And the same is true with us. Our job is to look around and find those who are not on the journey that leads to eternal life that we're on and invite them to come alongside us. 
The second thing about this, others must see their opportunity to be a part of his story if they're going to join the journey. Look at verse 31. It says this, then he said, Moses said, please do not leave us, talking to Hobab, inasmuch as you know where we should camp in the wilderness and you will be as eyes for us. The Israelites were in Hobab's territory. Hobab knew where the streams of water were. He knew where the shade trees were. He, he knew everything about this territory. And he could give some much needed information to Moses and the Israelites. So Moses was clear with his brother-in-law, Hobab, you have an opportunity to play a role in the incredible story of God. Many of those that are around us who are currently not following Christ have no idea about the privilege they have that God looks at them and invites them in to play a role in his story. I mean, daily, I wake up with excitement as I think about the story of God and how he's given me a very small part in it. And I know I'm a blimp on the radar screen. He's the main character. I'm not. But how amazing is it that he gives me a role? How amazing is it that he gives you a role? My cousin, years ago in Florida, there was a movie that was going to be shot near his house. And they, they put some things in the paper that said, hey, if you want to come out and be an extra in a movie, come on out. And, and my cousin went. And, you know, it's not because of the, the amount of money they were offering. It wasn't because he was going to be famous, because he wasn't. He was going to be a blimp on the movie that nobody would ever remember, except for maybe his friends or maybe his cousin like me. But, but he was never going to be the star of the movie. But do you know why people lined up to be a part of that? It's because they were going to have a role in a story. Sure, it wasn't a leading role, but a role nonetheless. People love to have a role in the story. Now, here's the question. Those around me and those around you do they see that we are actively doing our role in the story in such a way that it draws them in and they want to have a role too? Because we can just be busy going to church and, and, and not really playing our role, not really doing the things God's telling us to do, not really using the gifts God's given us. Why would anybody else want that? They need to see that they have the opportunity to have a role in God's story. And the third thing that I want to pass on from this part of Numbers 10 is that family traditions must fade into the background if we're going to follow him. And this is a hard thing to bring up. You know, there are so many great traditions. There are so many families that do so many things together. And I'm not trying to discourage that whatsoever. I'm not trying to even talk bad about it. But let, let me just tell you this. At this point in the story, Moses is like 80 years old. Hobab, his brother-in-law, has to be something close to that. 
And Moses is asking Hobab to completely change everything he has ever known. He was asking Hobab to cast aside a life that was comfortable and to follow a cloud, no less. Do do you see how tough that might be to say, you know what, Moses, yeah, I'm going to give up my comfortable life of what I've always known, and I'm going to come follow a cloud with you. And, And honestly, what's going on is Moses is asking him to allow his family traditions to fade into the background and to pursue the Lord instead. And do you see his initial reaction in verse 30? Hobab says, no, I will not come, but rather will go to my own land and relatives. No, I'm not giving up everything I've ever known and the comfort of my family and the comfort of my traditions to follow a cloud. I'm staying right here. Did you know? If you read ahead to Judges chapter 4, we find out Hobab must have decided to abandon those family traditions and to follow the Lord because we find his descendants listed there. Hmm. So, I know there are many people that have ingrained family traditions and that they would rather be religious rather than follow Jesus. I can only imagine at Hobab's old age, it must have been incredibly difficult to to overcome that. But following Jesus must become our priority over everything, even our traditions. You know, I think God places people like Hobab in all of our paths. I know he has for me. Now, make no mistake, God is my leader. I do everything I can every day to invite the Lord to lead me. Ask him where he wants me to go, what he wants me to say. Am I always perfectly obedient? I'm sure I mess up. But my heart's cry is I want to follow him. Let me tell you this. Often, I find he uses other people to help guide me in my path. And some of them aren't even believers, and some of them are. Hobab wasn't a believer, yet God used him in his story. So when when God led me to Knoxville back in fall of 2000, he also placed JR in my path to help me in my new home. And by the way, JR is a believer. (laughs) Um, We had incredible conversations during our time and even after we graduated about the Lord, but God knew I needed JR to help navigate Knoxville. I trusted the Lord to lead me, but I needed someone to come alongside me and show me the ropes. JR was being prepared by God for years simply by living near Knoxville. And I am so thankful for JR and for God sending me a Hobab 
when I needed it the most. But here's the deal. My challenge is to be like Moses. See, I must follow the Lord completely. But at the same time, I can't be too proud to ask for help from those around me. And that's your challenge too. There are people God has prepared to help you navigate whatever you're going through. Some of them, like Hobab, may not even be believers. Don't be too proud to ask for help. God knows what he's doing, and he will send you a Hobab at exactly the moment that you need it. But you have to have your eyes open for your Hobab. And you can't be too proud to accept that help. There's one other element about this story, though. See, when God sends a non-believer like Hobab to Moses, and he sends a non-believer to me, my job is to encourage them to follow the Lord with me. The only way they will even consider following him is if they see that they have an opportunity to play a role in his story simply by looking at my life. I better be walking the walk, not talking the talk only. They better see me using the things that God has put within me in his story and for him if they, if they would want to join the story. They need to see a relationship lived with my Lord before they will ever consider leaving what is comfortable in their life, just like Hobab did. And I live in an area, and maybe you do too, that is steeped in the tradition of religion. It's comfortable to go to church and then not think twice about the Lord until the next Sunday morning. You know what? I've been there. I've been deceived by an enemy that made, made me think that church is simply a place to go to. No, it's not. God wants so much more. He wants a relationship with you and a relationship with me. And the only way that the tradition of religion is overcome is if we experience the sweet relationship with Jesus Christ. And I can't describe it. It's something that has to be experienced. And you may be listening to this podcast and you may know exactly what I'm talking about because you've experienced that sweet relationship. But there may be some of you that are listening right now who have never felt that. To you, church is just a place you go. It's just a religion. It's something you do and you check it off a list. And no, God is saying, I want a relationship. And that is why I created you. And I'm telling you, once you experience that relationship, you never go back to the tradition of religion. 
last few verses in Numbers chapter 10, we see that the people set out for three days following the Lord, and Moses has this battle cry, verses 35 and 36. And God was with his people, and they felt in, invincible with him, and he was leading them. And just when everything seemed to be going well, there is a dramatic turn of events. I hope you'll join me on the next podcast as we discuss Numbers chapter 11 together. And we look at, at the moment they seem like everything's going great, all of a sudden it starts going south. So just to recap, Today's podcast, number one, there is a day coming when the trumpet will sound. It's going to be an incredibly joyous day as God will assemble us believers together forever. Live for that day, believer in Jesus. And if you live for that day, if your eyes are on the day he returns, it will change how you live for today. And you're not going to be worried about the things that don't matter. Live for that day. Second, are you being a tribe of Dan to those who are around you? God wants you to be the rear guard. There are people that are falling behind right now that you know spiritually, emotionally, and and. God wants people to look around and say, hey, I want to come beside you and help you and make sure you don't keep falling behind. Who is someone you can be the tribe of Dan to right now? Maybe God's pricking your heart at this moment with that person. At the end of this podcast, contact them. Come alongside them. Last, has God given you a hobab in your life Are you doing your part showing that person what it looks like to have a thriving relationship with the Lord? Because I'm telling you, those non-believers around us that we all have in our lives, our family members, our friends, people we work with, why would they ever want Jesus? Why would they ever want a relationship with him if they don't see us walking it out? not simply about going to church. Live out God's story in front of them. That's what draws them in. That's what wants them, what makes them want to be a part of the story too. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I look forward to being with you next time as we examine Numbers chapter 11. If you want to reach me, Um, You can find me on Twitter at Arbel Ministries, or you can email me at arbelministries at gmail.com. I would love to interact with you. If you have questions, reach out and we can discuss them. See you next time.